Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Well, March 2012 uh, was one of the most exciting times uh, ever to be a Bronco fan. In the 1980s, late 1980s, my family moved to Denver when I was in the second grade, and almost immediately I fell in love with the Broncos watching in 1987 The Drive. Anybody remember The Drive in here? We got any Bronco fans? Yeah, okay, a few of you. Yes, awesome. Well, just in case you don't know, The Drive was a 98-yard march of football perfection. Like, I can remember the excitement to the next year of the fumble in 88, the heartbreak of Super Bowl 24. I can remember with exhilaration watching do like the helicopter spin to bring home Super Bowl 32 and then again in Super Bowl 33. I can vividly remember like the Elway, post-Elway years that actually culminated with the Tim Tebow miracle over the Steelers and then to realize as Bronco fans that no matter what we thought about Tebow, that when Elway, now the general manager, looked in the mirror, he saw the quarterback that he wanted and Tebow didn't measure up. It brings us to March 7th of 2012, when the Indianapolis Colts call a press conference to let the world know that they're cutting one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And immediately the speculation begins. Did Denver actually have a shot? Did the Broncos actually have a shot of bringing the four-time MVP to Denver? All of a sudden, there were reports everywhere of secret meetings. We watched fans like run down runways chasing airplanes. There were these like secret throwing sessions with Brandon Stokely in the neighborhood parks. Like it was chaos all around. If you were in Denver during 2012, this is what everybody was talking about. I mean, in fact, people would come up to me who I didn't even know were sports fans, and they would ask the question, do you think we got a chance? Do you think it's going to happen? And then it did. On March 20th, 2012, It was official. Manning became a Denver Broncos with all his Star Wars numbers. You probably know the rest of the story, that Manning adds a fifth MVP while playing for the Broncos, eventually winning Super Bowl 50. This one's for Pat, and the rest, they say, is football history. Well, at one point during Manning's career, a reporter came up to him, and he asked him what he thought made Manning so successful. And this is how Peyton answered it. He said this. He said, If nothing else in life, I want to be true to the things I believe in and quite simply what I'm all about. That is so good. That is such a great statement. MVP thinking. To be true to the things I believe in and what I'm all about. Now, if I took that great statement and actually turned it into a question and asked you this question, how would you answer it? What is it that you're all about? Like if I gave you just a few moments today to to kind of think back through the pages of your life, and as you turn through the pages of your life and you looked back and you asked these sorts of questions, how would you answer it? What did I believe in? What did I do that, that really mattered? What did I live for? Why was it so important for me to exist? See, the real life tragedy is that for so many of us that we don't actually have answers to those questions. That for most of us, we stumble through this life hoping tomorrow will be better than today with no plans, no dreams, no vision. And yet here's the truth. As Craig Rochelle, one of the pastors of Life Church, says, he says this, that everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. And the good news for us is that every single one of us, every single one of us can live a life of direction and meaning, that we can all end up somewhere on purpose. And that's really what these next five weeks are all about as we go through this MVP series. 
finding our purpose in this life. And so if you're brand new here to Crossroads, I want to say welcome to you. My name is Matt Manning. I'm one of the pastors here at Crossroads. And my earnest hope, my earnest prayer is that over these next few weeks that God would would do something special in every single one of us where our eyes are open, our minds are, are given permission to dream, our passions are lit within us, and why we discover, and discovering why, It's so important for every single one of us to have existed. Now, as we get started in all of this, I want to make sure that we're we're on the same page going forward. And I want you to know that I believe that every single one of us, every single one of us is designed to have a unique purpose, a dream, a vision, a mission. And the reason that I believe that is because of what theologians call that we were made in the image of God. In fact, you might hear it like this, that sometimes theologians refer to it as the imagio Dei, which only just simply means that we are image bearers of this forward-looking, purposeful God. I mean, just listen to one of these, these amazing psalms, Psalm 139. It's one of my most favorite psalms in all of the scripture. It says this, starting in verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Listen. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Before you were born, God knew you. And he knew what what he wanted for you in your life. That God put purpose in you. And then as God gives you purpose, he also gives you the ability to fulfill that purpose. And as we step into this, it's knowing the purpose that we have in our lives that ultimately leads us to a life that is flourishing, that ultimately leads us to a life that is thriving, that ultimately leads us to a life that is successful. I want to show you this by reading two verses, out of, or one verse out of two different translations. It's written by King Solomon, one of the greatest and wisest uh, people who's ever lived on this earth. And in uh, Proverbs 29, verse 18, which is one of the most famous verses in all of Scripture, he gives us this verse. In the King James Version, it goes like this. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, when we read that verse, the word vision that we see there is from the Hebrew word kazon, all right? Kind of sounds like the pizza calzone, but it's not. It's kazon, all right? C-H-A-Z-O-W-N, kazon. And the Hebrew word kazon means a dream, a revelation, a vision, a purpose. And what Solomon says is where there is no kazon, no dream, no vision, no revelation, no understanding of purpose, people perish. And when he's talking about perishing, he's not talking about physical death here. He's talking about death to our hopes, death to our aspirations. Think of it like this. Where there is no dreams or where there is no vision for your marriage, where there's no calzone for your family, your marriage will struggle and so will your kids. Where there is no vision for your finances, you'll live just day to day, never being able to experience financial freedom. Where there's no vision for your, for your vocation. You'll go through life just punching the clock instead of making a difference. Where there is no no vision for your faith, you'll wander aimlessly through life instead of finding hope and peace. Where there is no vision, 
people perish. And maybe, just maybe, all that's missing between the life that you're living now and one that's flourishing is a God-sized dream in your life. Here's another translation. This is out of the ESV, the English Standard Version. It says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people, the people cast off restraint. In other words, if you have no revelation, you live a life of discouragement. A who really kind of cares kind of life. And unfortunately, there's way too many of us who live this kind of life. I mean, every single one of us could, could share a story of someone we know in our life who, who just kind of wander through life going, whatever, whatever. And what makes us so sad is that the whatever kind of life, the, the shrug the shoulders kind of life isn't really living, it's just surviving. It's not thriving. It's not flourishing. And if the psalm we read earlier, Psalm 139, if it means anything at all to us, anything at all, is that you and I were created for significance. We were created for something more. We weren't just created to survive this life, that we were created to flourish in this life. And so my simple goal today is hopefully to give you permission as we look for purpose to begin to dream again. And this may be totally anecdotal. But when I look back on my life, when I look back on the days of my life, that I realize that I'm at my best when I'm dreaming, when I'm dreaming. When I have no dreams, no vision, no purpose, I struggle through this life. But when I create space, just even a little bit of space in my life to dream, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, regardless of the circumstances, I feel better, I live better, I thrive, I flourish. Because here's the take home. When you allow your heart to dream and tune your ear to the speaking God, then you begin to realize and understand that God has a specific place, a specific place in his custom design for you. You and I were made for so much more. That we were giving purpose. That you were fearfully and wonderfully made. And yet the problem in our life is that life has a way of stealing our dreams, doesn't it? That when we were little kids, we, we had these, these huge dreams, these bigger-than-life kind of dreams that we were going to accomplish of, of one day, of what we were going to do or who we were going to become. And, and maybe as you grew up, you got to college and you graduated college and, and there was still part of that dream in you of, of something significant that you were going to do in this world. And then as we live our life, there's this, this, this that gray of adulthood that just kind of steals our dreams, doesn't it? Maybe to the point where you're here today going, man, <laughs> you talk about dreams, but I don't even know if I have any dreams. I mean, I, I don't even know if, if I could tell you what, what one of my dreams are. And, and even if I had a dream, what would it matter anyway? I mean, does a dream really even change anything? Well, maybe. I mean, listen to this dream, one man's dream, and see if it doesn't resonate with you. He says, I have a dream that one day that this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. That we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day out in the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of oppression, will transform into an oasis of freedom and justice. That I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation 
where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be engulfed, every hill shall be exalted, every mountain will be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This will be the day when all of God's children will be able to sing with new meaning, my country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside, let freedom ring. What's in a dream? Well, one man's dream, 52 years after his death, still impacting society, still impacting our culture, still impacting our very lives. See, having a dream, a vision, it's the difference between living a life just surviving and one that is flourishing. That's the difference a dream makes. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so the question that then comes to us is, is how do we find this dream? What does, it, what does the dream look like? How do we, how do we find this calzone, this, this divine calzone, this divine dream? How do we find it? Well, when it comes to this, what I believe is that your purpose is the sweet spot of your passions, your giftings, and your experiences. That as we look at our lives, when we see our passion and we bring it together with our gifting and our experience, is the sweet spot of where those three life-shape-offering things come together is our purpose. It's our divine causon. See, every single one of us has been given passion. That when God created you, he, he planted deep inside your soul values that you care about. Things that if you followed them, that they would become the driving force of your very life. That God has planted that in every single one of us. This is your passion. And consequently, your passion causes you to look at the world differently than others, doesn't it? That, that as you go through life, that, that you see the world differently because of your passion. And at times, you see problems that no one else sees because of your, because of your passion. See, listen, you will never be able to find your purpose until you find your problem, your passionate problem. That your problem is the one thing, the one thing that's brewing in your soul. It's the one thing that bothers your spirit. It's the one thing that keeps you up at night. It's the one thing that makes you cry. It's the one thing that if you could change anything, it would be that one thing. It's the one thing out of everything that this world passionately feels needs to be changed. What's that one thing? If you could dream of anything in your life to change and the world would be better, that's your passion. Frederick Buchner famously said it this way, that God calls us to the place where our, where our gladness and the world's deep hunger meets. That God calls us to the place where our deep gladness and the world's hunger meets. If I was to ask you today about your passion, what is it that makes you deeply glad, deep within your soul? What is it, what is it in your life, that, that one thing that you wish that it could change to make this world better? That's your passion. When we begin to understand our passion, then we also look to our giftings. In, in order to understand our purpose, we have to understand how we were created. In Exodus chapter 31, we're given this amazing, amazing story. It's so cool. And in this cool story, we're actually given a kazon, a dream, a vision, a revelation. And the revelation is to build the Old Testament tabernacle. 
Now, in case you're unfamiliar with the Old Testament tabernacle, it was the place of worship. And it was to be built. When it was built, it would become the center of Hebrew life. That its complete focus was the glory of God. Its blueprints were actually from heaven. And it was to be designed in such a way that when the people of the world came and saw the tabernacle, that they would be marveled, that they would be moved to see the goodness and the greatness of God. How do you go about building something that spectacular? Well, God calls a man named Bezebel, and he says to him that I have a job for you to make this awesome. We pick this up in Exodus chapter 31, verse 1. It says, See, I have called uh, by name Bezebel, the son of Uri, son of Ur of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him, listen to this, with the Spirit. I have filled him with ability and intelligence. I have filled him with knowledge and all of craftsmanship in order that he may devise artistic designs to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for settings, and in carving wood to work in every craft. How do you build something this grand, this marvelous? You begin with the gifts that God's planted in you. See, just like God has planted, planted passion in every single one of us, so too has he planted gifts, abilities, skills in order to fulfill that purpose. That you were uniquely designed, uniquely given skills and gifts and, and abilities so that you could live out the purpose that God has in your life. I mean, that's amazing. It's, it's so cool how much God loves us. Once we have our passions and, and our giftings, then we move to our experiences. We move to our experiences. In Romans 8.28 is, is one of the most famous Bible verses in all of Scripture. And it's the Apostle Paul, and he's writing these words. He writes these words. He says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purposes... See, the really cool thing about this verse is that those, that phrase, all things, literally means everything. Like, all things. That's what it means. That as you look back over your life and the experiences that you've had in your life up until this very point right now, as you look back on your life at all the good, the bad, the ugly things, the things that have humbled you, the things that have humiliated you, the things that have embarrassed you, the things that you're so ashamed of, the things that you just wish you could forget, God's promise, listen, God's promise is to use all of them for good. That your past is a gateway to finding your purpose. That your past gives you insight to your future. That everything that has happened up until this point in your life was no accident. It was no accident. It was preparing you for, God, for what God has for you. Your divine kazon. Your grand dream. And when we find the sweet spots of our passion and our giftings and our experience, when we, when we find that sweet spots, that's when we begin to see our purpose. And over the next couple of weeks, that's our goal, is to walk through those things more in depth. And as we look to the scriptures, looking at these more in depth, our prayer is that each and every one of us would begin to understand what our purpose is. See, for me, it happened my freshman year. 
During my freshman year, I, read, I was reading this book, and God used this book in such a, a, an amazing way that it changed like the trajectory of my life, that it lit this passion inside of me that I didn't even know that I was for sure was there. And it was so monumental in my life, I felt like I was Jason Bourne, like running out of one building, crashing out of a window, and jumping to the other. That's how monumental it was for me. And then God put some people in my life who were able to begin to speak to me about the giftings and the skills and the abilities that I had and to encourage me in that space. And then God took me through a time, it wasn't a comfortable time, but he took me through a time where I began to look upon my past experiences in in such a way that I wasn't able to see them with, with guilt and with grief. But I was able to see that God had used every single one of those experiences to this very point to shape where I was going. Out of that, the way that Paul would put it, that the dream that started or the passion that started to to resonate within me was this. It it comes out of 1 Corinthians that whatever it is that you do, whether it's eating or drinking, whatever, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is that you do, do it for the glory of God. That there was something that just lit in me in that. That I wanted to, to be able to go out into the world and I wanted people to see God's glory the way that I saw God's glory. I wanted to see people come to Jesus. And once that purpose was defined in my mind, that, that everything started to order in my life in such a way, that when I got married, that Sarah and I, we have this, we have this marriage, that, that our goal is for the glory of God, that everything we try to do is to create our marriage as a witness for other people to see God's glory through. That I'm raising my kid as I'm a dad. That my divine calzone, my vision as a father is to raise my kids up to love Jesus, to serve Jesus, to be a part of his church. When it comes to my vocation as a pastor, that my goal when it comes to this church is that we would build a church that when other people look at it, they would look at it like the Old Testament tabernacle. That they would see the glory and the splendor and the greatness of God and that his glory would be here. I'm so grateful that God showed that to me in my life. And maybe yours is similar, maybe yours is different, I don't know. But what I believe is over the next five weeks, if you're willing just to dream a little bit, if you're willing to open your ears and hear from the speaking God, that he will speak to you what your divine dream is all about. See, for some of you, you might even be hearing his voice right now. Listen, there may be some of you who grew up in church like I did. And you grew up in church, but, but you, while you grew up in church, you didn't, you didn't have a, a living, real, personal relationship with God. For others of you, maybe this is your first time ever in church, and you're going, like, Psalm where? Proverbs who? Like, wait, where do I find that? And I just want you to know it's totally cool. Wherever you're at, you're welcomed here. If you don't know anything of the Bible, you're welcome here. Come, bring every question that you have. We welcome it. We welcome it. But today you may be realizing, maybe for the first time, that there's a pulling, a tugging at your soul. That you sense it deep within you. That you're here for a reason. That this is not by accidents. And what you're sensing in your life is is God's kindness towards you. His grace, his goodness. And maybe the next right thing for you in discovering your purpose in this world is to call out to Jesus. Who's Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God. The one who came and lived a perfect life, and and while he lived the perfect life, he brought hope to so many. And not only did he show us what it looked like to, to worship and to be with God, 
But he also showed us what it looked like to live with purpose. See, it was Jesus in John's gospel who said this, that I didn't come into this world to save the righteous. No, 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 no. I came into this world to save the broken. He came into this world for people like you and for people like me. People who are broken and, and sinful and who don't have our entire lives together. And so what did he do? He lived that perfect life. And he went as a perfect sacrifice to the cross so that we would be forgiven of our sins. Three days later, in the power of God, he rose again, and the scripture tells us that whoever calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved, will be forgiven, will be changed. And the reality is, is that, that none of us are made right before God by how well we act. We're not right, made right by our good behavior. We're made right by the righteousness of Christ in us. And so I know that there's some of you here today or listening online, and you're going, I, like, like I, I'm not walking with God. I know I'm not walking with God. And you don't have the peace. You don't have the hope that we're talking about. And maybe even as you look out at what we're talking about today, you would go, I, I don't even know what a divine dream looks like. Like, even if it showed up, I, I, don't, know what it would, I don't know what it would look like. Like, would I even notice it? I just want to remind you one more time. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That you are in the image of God. A forward-looking, purposeful God. Today is not by accident. You are not an accident. That God has you here. The reason you're here is because Jesus wants you to be here. Why you're watching is because Jesus wants you to be watching. And so if you feel the tug at your heart and you're going, today's the day. Today's the day. I, I want that grace. I want, I want forgiveness for my sins. I want the hope that you talk about. I give my life to Jesus. If that's what your soul's tugging at you right now, the one simple thing that you can do is simply text the word Jesus to the number on the screen that we would love, we would love to walk that path with you. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you. Lord, realizing that, that as we look back through the pages of our life, Lord, that there might be some discouragement because we, we can't answer some of those important fundamental questions in our life. Lord, if we were honest, Lord, we've probably been living just to get through today, hoping that tomorrow will be better, but with no vision, no revelation, no dream. And so God, I pray that, that you would move in every single one of us. Lord, that you would move in such a way that that you would give us a dream that's bigger than ourselves, that we would know that we are here for so much more, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So God, over these next couple of weeks, God, I pray that you would help us identify that passion that lights our souls. Lord, that we can see the, the giftings that you've given us. Lord, that we would have the courage 
to look back on our experiences. Lord, realizing that we are no accident, that all of that is for this reason now. And so God, before we go to communion, remembering the cross, Father, we just pause and and realize that it's only because of your son Jesus that any of this is even possible. That it's through him that our that our sins are forgiven and our bodies are healed. Lord, that we can live for you and hear from you. And so God, as people are in this space, Lord, here at Thornton and Fort Lupton, watching online, Lord, I pray that you would begin to speak to them, tug on their heart, pull their soul towards you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, every Sunday, we go to communion together and we remember what Christ did for us on the cross. We remember the bread that he had at dinner that night as he's looking at his disciples and he, he breaks the bread and he says, this is my body broken for you. This is, this is my sacrifice for your sins. And then he would raise the cup and he said, this is my blood spilled out for you. This is my promise of forgiveness. This is the hope that we have. So we remember today by eating and by drinking the cup. If you're in need of prayer prayer today, here at Thornton or Fort Lupton, during our singing as we worship in song, at any point, you could just move towards the back and we have people who would love to pray for you online. You can just click the button It's seriously a privilege of ours to be able to join with you in prayer in that way. If you're in house, I'm gonna go ahead and ask you to stand as we sing together today.